Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, the significance of solitude, taking the leap, and quieting the background noise. This is Optical Course from John's backyard. <laughs> we are in my backyard, specifically on my back deck right now. Yes, we are. It's uh, it worked out great. It's been a great location. There, you'll notice a few. Um, Sound effects. <laughs> Sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be a little game. Name John's neighbor who's mowing the lawn right now. <laughs> uh, we uh, we were pretty lucky though. I was I was afraid that old. Uh, well, I won't I won't name him on the podcast. I was afraid my neighbor might fire up his uh, mini tools, but uh, we we were pretty lucky. But the squirrels, um, <laughs> they they like to play with their nuts. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> so we were distracted <laughs> by. <laughs> By all the nut playing in my Honestly, backyard, can't blame them. <laughs> yeah, we we're here. There, uh, there's a beautiful oak tree right behind us. Yeah, John had us over, and uh, as we we talk about at, in the beginning of our conversation with Chris, he likes being outside. We like being outside. Our normal studio is not available, so here we are, and it worked great. So thanks for thanks for hosting John, and thanks to Angie for making the some delicious. Cinnamon buns. Are you saying you love my wife's buns? <laughs> Your wife? <laughs> she's got some great buns. I don't know. There you go. And you said it. <laughs> she's a great stand-in for your mum's... Well, not buns, but cookies. Goodies. So, goodies. <laughs> your mum's got the goodies. My wife's got the buns. Uh, I hope we're rolling. Yeah. So, John, how did you get your wounded wing? You're sitting here. You're not able to drink your tea out of your... Out of your proper hand. I know. You're, uh, you needed to bring an extra pillow to the recording today. What happened? Yeah, man. So some people might know this, but uh, I was out for a hike on Monday of Mount Prevost, um, and it was pouring rain, and I was just trying to clear my head because I had this big thing coming up. Um, so Connection Project, you guys might remember that. This, uh, Emily Olson was, was on talking about that. It's basically like a TEDx type event for people who struggle with mental illness. And I'm going to be sharing my own struggles with it um, next week. And I just need to clear my head. So the way I do that is go up a mountain. So I'm going up Prevost and I'm nearing the top. And um, the last part of Prevost, you kind of have to scramble to get to the summit. And it was super rainy and slopey. And I did my... Slopey? <laughs> it was rainy. <laughs> As they say. I it think, was rainy and slopey. I think so that's are, a bad combination. Yeah, I think these are alpine terms. <laughs> um, Chris will <laughs> let us know. Yeah, he can... You can uh, tell us if we're on to something with our with our words. But anyways, so that combination, um, I had a bit of a, you know, spidey sense that, okay, I probably shouldn't, like, force the issue here. But I was like, well, I'm almost at the top. It'll be fine. I got these new trail running shoes, which I did, and I was very <laughs> proud of them. Saucony trail running shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, they'll hold me on. <laughs> so I remember... Um, losing my three points of contact which you're always supposed to have when you're scrambling Mm -hmm. as as they say and i had one point of contact which was my left foot and the other part um i I sort of vaulted myself up with my left leg and immediately slipped and i knew i was going down and so i I actually um, managed to like twist my body as i was falling so i didn't fall on the on my back or the back the back of my head ended up landing directly on my shoulder it wasn't a, like a to- horrible fall like it wasn't like a in terms of like falling like 20 feet or anything like yeah. it was probably only f- you know f- five feet or something but they don't <laughs> recommend the one point of contact to be <laughs> no. the back of your shoulder and now i know why <laughs> yeah and so i landed on the shoulder and let me tell you man 
that was the worst pain I've ever felt. Um, not like I've been shot. Often people will say that it, it was almost like someone just took a sledgehammer to my back. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that like intense, like just surging pain. And, um, I never broken or, or, you know, dislocated anything in my life. So I, I didn't have language for like, you know, what has just happened. I just knew I couldn't like raise my right arm above like, I you bet know. you had some language. <laughs> yeah, there was some language. Yeah, <laughs> dropped a lot of f bombs. Probably more f bombs in that, like you know, hike down than my entire life combined. Hmm. But, um, but I knew it was bad, and I and I remember initially I I had a surge of panic, like it just a surge of this like unbridled panic, of just like I'm at the top of a mountain by myself. It's pouring rain. Um, I have like my my arm is completely useless. It's fucked at this point. The pain is just like white pain that I, I can't even think. And so the first thing I said, it just came flying out of my mouth was, God, help me get get me off this mountain. Hmm. Right? And this wasn't like a theological point I was trying to make. It literally came from a deep part of me. And it, it was almost like I was reaching out for something bigger than myself. And and then I made a decision and I just said, I got to get, you know, I got to get down. Like I just mm-hmm. got to there's no one coming to rescue there's no plan b we're not going to freaking call an ambulance to fly up here you're getting down off the mountain and so i started down and if you were to ask me a couple of years ago hey john if you you know freaking dislocate your shoulder at the top of a mountain do you think you could get down i would uh, i would say there's no way i mean I, I do not do well with pain historically um queasy stomach and so this was a test man <laughs> <laughs> It was a puke test. Yeah, this was a puke test. And I'm glad to say, man, I made it all the way down the mountain without throwing up, without losing my shit. It was the worst. You didn't t- call for help? Didn't call for help. Although, looking back, you know, a lot of people I've told the story to are like, why didn't you at least call the ambulance? Because there is roads on Mount Prevost, and, and they probably could have probably picked me up. And I think there was a deep part of me that was just like, you know what? Like, Chris talks about challenges. I think there's a deep part of me that, if I'm being totally honest, that was just like, I think I can do this. I think I need mm. to do this. It's it's weird because it's, it it almost seems like it's like irresponsible. I'm a father. I'm a husband. What what you're doing? Some you're risking your life to do some stupid physical challenge just for your ego. No, it's 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 not that. Okay, judgmental <laughs> listeners. Because mm. I definitely didn't plan the fall. But it, but it was just a sense of like, I feel like I can do this, and I feel like I need to because it will give me something that nothing else could. And what did that give you? what it gave me was belief belief that I'm stronger than, than I think not in a, you know, Thor-esque way. <laughs> <laughs> you have some attributes of Thor, I would say. Oh, do I? Oh, nice. Yeah. You're good oh, good you. with a hammer. <laughs> good with a, that's it. Oh, okay. I'll take it. Even if I have one attribute of, of a Thor, that's fine. But yeah, um, Thor aside, it was more just, um, an inner belief that, you know, if I can get down off a mountain with a fucking, you know, one arm dangling off the side with, with severe pain. I can make it back to my car. And then I did drive home, which mm. this is a bad idea. Uh, there's a wasp about to sting me right now. <laughs> <It's going laughs> In fact, it just landed on me as I was, was talking. behind your but glasses. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but yeah, and so I drove home. Um, I, I would be a liar if I didn't say that at one point I was driving with my knee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I do that all the time. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, sometimes I would do, do it just for shits, just like to relax. <laughs> yeah. There's a definition of relax. However, <laughs> however, 
I'm a way better driver than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can get away with it, I think. Man. Even though I occasionally drive You must be. Me. And you live in Victoria. Yeah, Ho- I, don't, I don't do it too often. Hopefully you haven't done that on the Malahab. No. But uh, but yeah, and I called Angie from the from the the hands-free phone, um, Bluetooth in the car. Mm-hmm. And I waited to call her because I knew if I called her right when it happened, she would just be like, you know, worried, sick the entire time and there's nothing she could do. So I called her. and Except a, drive up and get you because there's roads apparently. Yeah, but, but there's no not, way she would. It was, you know what? Angie's was, a lovely, lovely girl, Andrew. Was, there's <laughs> no way she would have found her way to the top. She's even worse with directions than I am. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you whisper, she probably won't hear it. <laughs> but no she would have never got to the never made it and so I knew, were, I knew were you that. whispering because she like might be inside the house right now <laughs> i'm not scared of her <laughs> but yeah and so i called her she didn't believe me which i know is a shock mm-hmm. because i may or may not have you know used this um i've joked about you know being injured or being sick in the past and <laughs> just to get a reaction <laughs> oh, yeah, I have issues, but uh, but yeah. So then I she she knew once I started using colorful language. I got I got to the house. She came out. We drove the five minutes to the hospital. We get to emergency. I'd never been to emergency before in my life as a as a patient. Um, I've always had a bit of a pathological fear of being in emergency because as a person who likes to be in control, that's a least controlled mm. place. So I I had been thinking about that on the way down. I come into emergency. I'm in such pain. Um, conscious of like other people like staring at me and and you know um and they're like asking for all my information at this point they're like all right so what's your name (laughs) what's your birthday what's your favorite fucking color who do you think's gonna win the world series you know what do you think of trump's policy like i mean whatever they ask a million questions um but then um then they brought me in i happened to you know i walked through the chaos that is the duncan (laughs) um emergency room um, I was surprised to even get a bed. They took me back there and I'd never, uh, honestly, y- you've heard me talk, I think it was like 15 episodes ago about like how Advil makes me loopy. Yeah. Like, so I was worried about like what I was going to be taking and how I would respond mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if I can't even take Advil. So they're like, have you ever had, I was like, listen guys, I've never had anything stronger <laughs> than an Advil and I barely have Advil. And they're like, oh, it should be fun. So they gave me morphine and, and they told me before, this is kind of what it's going to feel like. And they gave it to me and I was like, I got to be honest, guys, it's not doing much for me. I still feel pain. And um, so they gave me another dose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. It's like a warm blanket. <laughs> and then. Um, oh, no way. That's because I just peed myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Angie, uh, I wish she was here right now because she could start telling you some of the things I said while, while I was loopy. But um, I said some very uh, funny things. Um, about the doctors and the nurses about how they're such an amazing team and you guys should be proud of yourselves and uh, i guess after it was all over they said at one point how i was feeling and my answer was hashtag yay <laughs> <laughs> i actually said hashtag yay <laughs> uh that stuff they gave me to knock typical, me out have you ever been millennial. knocked out have you yeah. been knocked out then they gave me i think it's called propanol um and they're like you're gonna love this stuff man this is what to expect and they're like we'll give it to you and within like seconds um, you won't remember a thing. Hmm. And I was in my controlling nature. Once again, I was like, what, what's going to, what's just going to happen. But at that point I was just resolved to get this pain dealt with. So I was like, just let me know when you're doing it. So they're like, all right, we're putting it in now. And there was like five doctors standing around the bed, all just looking at me. They put it in and I'm just like waiting for like, okay, well, what's going to happen? What am I going to feel like? And I remember looking at Angie and I was like, 
so I was like I guess I guess uh, you're gonna have to go because they're about to do the procedure and she's like what do you mean and then I like looked to my left all the doctors were gone <laughs> they'd already done the procedure like 20 minutes before that's literally what it felt like hmm. like this whole idea of like putting you to sleep it's, it's not like you think it's not like where you just like ah, slowly fall asleep and then you wake up later and oh my shoulder's fixed it was like all of a sudden they just shut a light switch off to your consciousness hmm. and then they turn the switch back on it was in, in, this, in the same sentence. It's like all of a sudden, if all of a sudden you looked at me, Andrew, and I turned into like a, you know, an elephant. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that, that would blow my would, mind. Would you be shocked? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. That's literally what this felt like. It was like all these people were standing here and now they're not. And uh, obviously they wrecked, you know, they grabbed my shoulder and popped it back in or whatever they had to do. Um, and he told me what they had to do. Like, it wasn't even on the bone. It was like hanging off, which made a lot of sense because it felt like it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it happened that quickly. Hmm. And then I was out in less than an hour and um, that's it. I mean, it's, it's crazy that it happened. So even though your shoulder is substantially weaker right now, yeah. as you drink your tea with your left hand <laughs> awkwardly and smash it down on the table... <laughs> So even though your shoulder may be weaker right now, what part of you do you think might be stronger? You know, another thing our guests have said many times is, you know, I learned I was stronger than I thought. And, and I've always just thought that that's just kind of an inspiring thing to say. But it's probably the first time in my life where I feel like um, I do believe I'm stronger than I think. Um, and it's not just physically. I mean, yeah, you had to be, I had to show some physical strength to get down. But but just more, more mentally, emotionally, um, like looking back at my life, I tell you, there, there was times where, where something much smaller could have happened to me, and I'd be like, you know, in the throes of like wanting to throw up because I was so stressed about it. And I didn't throw up once with this. Um, I, I was able to stay, keep my cool. I was able to just push through the pain, and it kind of makes me think like, sh surely there could be more painful things I might experience in life. Um, you know, hopefully not, but when they come I'll, like, I'll be ready. Like I, I know I can handle it. I know I can handle all, really almost, almost anything at this point. It gives you that sense of, um, the fact that I endured this obstacle that I hadn't planned that literally was thrust upon me, um, that I now have, um, a, a, a sort of a, a growing courage for, for future obstacles. And not to say that it'll be easy but the belief is there that it, that i could do it and you know I, I talk about this like it's this epic story i mean it, it's it's epic for me in a way i mean but but all these stories of, of people enduring things they never thought possible is all part of the human story that truly all of us are more are more stronger than we think we it's are it's the hero's journey baby yeah it's a hero's journey and uh yeah that was my little journey it's a bit of a bump but <laughs> But look what you've learned. Well, this is Obstacle Course, everybody. And keep listening for, for Chris and reflections on the, the giant leap that he took about eight years ago now and how his life is radically transformed. And even if you're not right now ready to go the financial independence journey or take that leap right now, because it's a major one. Um, he has a lot of wisdom to share and, and you can learn the first few steps that you can do to start transforming your life and, and get out of the cycle of consumerism and 
unhappiness, find a way to begin living authentically, um, which we all have that opportunity to do. Yeah, enjoy this one, folks. So we could take this opportunity to to start rolling now if we'd like and and welcome you, Chris Ishtash, to Rhymes with Mustache, uh, (laughs) to the podcast. So thanks for being here and and making the time. And our first outdoor podcast. Yeah, Yeah, we are live from John Sundeck. (laughs) And we thought it was appropriate to, well, A, we, we were not able to use our regular location Yeah, due to some extenuating circumstances judy's in france <laughs> yeah judy's in france <laughs> and um and her house is being you know, she's on a home exchange so we normally record in my in my mom's in a room that we've <laughs> converted into our podcast yeah. studio in my mom's yeah. house and uh she's on a home exchange so yeah. there's guests there and so if we wandered in and we're like yeah i know we're here for a podcast and they're like <laughs> they speak french <laughs> well they wouldn't say that actually no they wouldn't at all but uh, yeah, so we, we had the opportunity to go on the road and we thought it would be appropriate to do so outdoors because uh, for obvious reasons. And we thought, well, we can't really be at the top of a mountain because where will we plug our gear in? So where can we safely be outside in September when it could be inclement weather? And, and it's amazing, Andrew, you miss this, but when you're inside getting ready, um, Chris pointed out a uh, little blue jay in the backyard. Oh, yeah? And I've never seen a blue jay in my backyard. Wow. I've, I've been here five years, and I tend to notice things like that. And he just said it so casually. He's like, oh, wh- what did you say? Well, well, I'm like, yeah, there's a jay just hanging oh, out yeah, over there. Oh, yeah, there's a little jay <laughs> hanging he's, out. He's working away. And yeah. I was just kind of like, huh? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my gosh, there he is. But then yeah. he you know, flew away before he got a picture. So do you find that you're more prone to observing things in nature due to the amount of time you've spent there? Definitely, that's and that's a, a mental switch. You know, that's kind of like maybe what we'll get into later part of the journey, where it's just like that that mindfulness side of things. When you, we really need to pump the brakes on a lot of things because uh, it's things are going so fast. So if you slow it down, you actually, I mean, they are corny phrases, but you know, you actually stop and smell the roses. You like appreciate things and see things. And I still do miss a lot of things because I have this competitive nature where like even hiking i'm like i want to go fast <laughs> yeah. and running and i'm like well i can't now i'm gonna go do f- fast backpacking yeah. it's like why would i go slow backpacking <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah and running but yeah you do notice a lot of things and also it's also the company you keep right you know open yourself to new experiences and see through through their eyes i you know i wouldn't have never noticed things like that so yeah i, I totally hear you about the about the competitive part of being in nature uh, we were talking uh, many episodes ago about learning to like shut off the Strava and shut off the phone and just like actually go for a run or a hike just because it feels great <laughs> and because guilty you're in over nature. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but and it's and it's actually more enjoyable when you can do that as opposed to like I'm 30 seconds behind my per kilometer pace right now. <laughs> <laughs> you probably aren't going to see too many blue jays when you're worried about that. Yeah, or you're like, this is a long day. I want to get this pack off. <laughs> and right. actually like get situated yeah and, exactly and just blow by everything so the the title mindful explorer i thought we could maybe dig into that a little bit as well um yeah and what does start with the exploring what does exploring give you hmm, well what does it give me well i, I kind of almost just touched on it there is like you know like why would i've normally noticed those birds before but it's a lot of things it's uh exploring well so and i mean i'll even just expand on the mindful explorer it's uh it 
we usually think of exploring as an, a, a physical thing, right? Like getting in the mountains, getting in the forest, you know, coming to BC. I mean, I was like mm-hmm. dropped right in the middle of that. Uh, you're called almost drawn to be in the outdoors and explore, but it's actual um, exploring how you react, how you act, how you behave, your personality, how you treat others, your views, your beliefs. So mm-hmm. um, I'm exploring physically and mentally but in a mindful manner, applying that teach. So when I'm outdoors, I'm mindful of where I am and appreciating the place and understanding my impact on it and how I can be a steward of it and then exploring new ways of living and being how I can be mindful of that on, um, you know, how, what is my, what are my uh, consumer choices saying about me? Um, My political beliefs, my attitude towards other, how I react to people, what Mm -hmm. things I'm involved in. Um, my wife owns a business, you know, how, how are her business practices? Are you mindful on how you act as a business owner? You know, John, you're a business owner yourself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even those simplest things is how you carry yourself. So always exploring life in all aspects on the spiritual and the physical planes and being mindful on how you do that. Uh, I mean, it's another overdone saying, and it's actually kind of at the whole start of it. uh, My switch was, uh, really stepping back and knowing the only thing I really control in life is how I react to things, what I say and what I do. That's the only thing we actually really do. I mean, the world out there is going to just be in its cycle and doing what it's doing. And everything you see, you know, everything on Facebook or how you say hello people or not say hello to people, make eye contact, not eye contact, pick up the garbage on the ground. Those are, those are things that we're reacting every day. And that's what we control. And they'll speak very loudly of who we are as people. You know, just listening to to all that wisdom, Chris, it reminded me of the of of the idea of just waking up. It's almost like you're talking about just being awake. Uh, Sam Harris, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's, yeah. he's he's written a book called Waking Up. He has a Waking Up podcast, and um, it just made me think of that. And so I was wondering if you might want to share sort of a recent moment, perhaps even not so recent, where you felt fully alive. Perhaps it was on on the top of one of your many mountains, or as we hear the nuts fall off the tree behind us now, <laughs> you're going to be hearing a lot of living things today, listeners. But uh, um, I'm just wondering if, if you wanted to share one of those moments where it was like you're fully dialed in and, and you could feel the reality of what you're experiencing. Well, I've had uh, definitely, you know, uh, More than one. <laughs> over the last few years, have had some pretty exciting moments in the outdoors. I mean, being no. outdoors and, you know, just... In areas that we don't have our, you know, we're not on our neighborhood street and we don't have our cars and our houses and all of our food and things with us. But yeah, in the outdoors, you're definitely in those experiences where you're like all your senses and your emotions and your thoughts are running wild. And there's been crazy ones, but I mean, I could just, uh, a very simple one is I've really been pushing on getting out in the outdoors by myself. Uh, a lot of people would be worried about that. And I even did, you know, in the earlier years, um, mm-hmm. but I've really been pushing big distances and big mountains by myself. Um and just when you're out there, you know, you're going through all these emotions. Um, so the l- recent one I did was last month was, uh, I love Strathcona Park here on Vancouver Island. It's one of the largest parks in BC and it's the very first provincial park. And, and uh, the uniqueness of it is there's no roads or anything really going into it and it's raw and wild. So I chose this big ridge and then a mountain I want to do and another one trail I want to do and I connected them all and made a route out of it. So there was no real trail for portions of it. And I went by myself and, mm. um, you know, so the first half day of, uh, knocking off about 18 kilometers uh going up mountain and uh working towards and i kept working towards this mountain i wanted to climb by myself and 
you're reflecting in your inner dialogue. You're go, you're by yourself, and you're you know you're looking at nature and things and the weather. But then your mind's just going crazy. I don't know how many conversations I had with myself. Mm-hmm. It was going from like, oh, why am I doing this by myself? To like, this is awesome by myself. To going, am I actually going to climb that? Oh, what am I doing here? I could be at home. I could just go mountain biking or hang out with my friends or chill out and drink coffee with my wife at one of our favorite bistros or something. But uh, and then you just keep uh, confronting each of those uh, things as you uh, approach them and you know so I camped out overnight by myself there and enjoyed like a mind-blowing sunset and you just kind of sit there and sometimes you know you want to share those moments with others but sometimes uh, that solitude of being by yourself um, you know you touched on some of those podcasts you listen to John uh, a big thing we're missing nowadays is solitude Um, Mm -hmm. we're actually kind of always connected uh, even if we're just, you know, we're looking at our phone or something, the, you actually aren't in solitude with yourself. You're still getting that, you know, you're, you're connecting somehow. So uh, it's something that's plaguing us, and solitude's good for our mind. So, um, you know, you go over a lot of things in your mind when you're in solitude. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that, that recent one, I, I you know, the amount of things that went through my head with that, and then, you know, the next morning I woke up and I did uh, two peaks on the mountain by myself and mm-hmm. you know there were scary moments you're up there and you're like well I've, I've got my safety devices I got SOS satellite communicator if something happened but mm-hmm. you know what if I couldn't push the button and I'm mm-hmm. climbing and I'm like well I didn't bring this I didn't do that I don't have another person to watch me or um, you know and I made it to the top and you know enjoyed the moment and coming down or you know I was down climbing and a rock pulled out in my hand and you know, I lost my balance a little bit, and then you know you scream, and nobody's around. <laughs> you're like you scream in anger. You're like, oh, what? Yeah. What could yeah. it just happen? And yeah. I made it down, and then you know you sit there, and then now you just kind of analyze the moment. You're like, okay, well, I'll do this next one, and then I successfully did that little second peak, and then I looked at the third one. I'm like, no, it's a good day. Mm-hmm. The mountains treated me well. I the sun's out. I'm feeling great. You know, it's like time to keep going. So mm-hmm. got off the mountain, got over to a lake. No one around, went for a swim, took off all the clothes, you're in the middle of nowhere, went for a big swim, fell asleep for an hour in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, I didn't, don't worry, I didn't wake up and the bears weren't hanging out with me. <laughs> you know, actually, it's odd, I seldom see bears, you'd think you'd see more of them, but, huh. and then just motored out, so yeah, over two days, it was nearly 50k and wow. 3,500 meters elevation gain by myself, had an amazing time, and you'd, but solitude i guess kind of like that that was my most recent experiences you know what goes through when you're solitude i think mm-hmm. you know some of us sometimes left to our own inner voices can be difficult and you know there's actually some you know some people have issues with that but i think it is a healing time and self-reflection and actually i came back and there was something that before i left i was chatting with my wife about and i was kind of like on the discussion where uh, i was presenting what i was thinking about of what something she was about to do and i got back and i'm like you know what i while i was out there i, I didn't think about what do you want of it? Who cares how it affects me? Is like, why are you doing it that affects her? And she's like, thank you for saying that. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm like, you know, when you get out and you have time and you have no, you have no other choice but to work through those, those, you know, those decisions and those actions yeah. or thoughts or emotions, you have no choice because you got nothing else to do. Absolutely. You can't just go, I'm going to go grab a coffee. I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go watch a movie. I'm going to turn on YouTube. You can't do that. You have no choice. Yeah. So just, curious if uh for any listeners who are wondering w- what mountain exactly in strathcona park that uh, that was that you yeah i did uh so there's a mountain everybody likes to go to it's called mount septimus um but on that mountain there's three more peaks so actually on the ridge there's four mountain peaks on this ridge and everybody kind of goes to cream lake but i came around from the back side of it uh through another beautiful trail called flower ridge 
uh, crossed Price Pass, and then came up the backside. I summited Margaret Peak, came down, went around Margaret Glacier, slept at the base of the glacier, and then the next morning I summited the Mist Horns, which are the third peaks back from Septimus, and then did each of those because it's actually three little peaks that make up the Mist Horns. Mm-hmm. Came down, then I wanted to do Rousseau, and then I would have done all four summits on that ridge. But Rousseau is even, even trickier, you know, Mist Horns were fifth class, and that one gets into fifth because mountain climbing's graded. Uh, anything mm-hmm. into the fifth class is, it's legit climbing, and you should have ropes, and I was up there just soloing and by myself and no ropes. So, uh, and I had done Septimus years prior as a, one, a memorable one, and uh, it was a winter ascent ice climb. But so, uh, yeah, came down that, went through uh, Cream Lake, and then down to Bedwell Lake, which is one of the most popular spots on the island. And then out Bedwell Trail and out of Strath, out of Strathcona that way, and actually had to hitchhike because <laughs> the two trails aren't connected; they're miles apart. So yeah, I yeah. got to the end of the trail, and then I hiked down the logging road, and then I hiked down the highway, and I, I hitchhiked with two kilometers left. But I mean, that at that at that point, those two kilometers and that <laughs> little two kilometer ride was pure heaven. I was gonna yeah. say that might have been the most dangerous part of the whole journey. <laughs> yeah. Hitchhiking. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the opportunity to hike into Cream Lake and Bedwell. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago and then saw Septimus from the other angle going into Della Falls. Yeah, I was looking down on Della Falls the whole time. Yeah, right? Canada's tallest waterfall. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's such a spectacular area. Yeah. Um, but the the idea of doing it without kind of any trails a, a lot of the time yeah. you're, when you're up there, I, I'm sure it comes from experience. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Not something that we would recommend people just to no, go and follow not. that route. No. But um, how do you... It, it, are you using orienteering skills? or Yeah, using, a, well, research, a lot of research. So there are two. I mean, the Bedwell trail, Trail's heavily used, the Flower Ridge Trail's heavily used, and then the rest of it is just navigating the, the mountain terrain. But ahead of time, talking with people, looking at old reports, and uh, I'm an Alpine Club of Canada member, and they've been publishing reports for 100 years, so you can go back in the old journals and see where people wrote, like, uh, there's, you know, famous mountain climbers like Sid Watts, like the peak I climbed. There was a, in the summit register, it had the signature from 1964 oh, in there of Sid Watts. And he actually cool. has, he was here from Duncan, uh, and he has a mountain named after him now. But I mean, th- there's always that history you look at, and we have lots of great devices now. You can go on uh, app- apps like Caltopo, and I can orienteer on it. It shows me in color gradients, slope angles. So, you know, like, well, I can't go there. That's steep. And then I can look at other uh, other maps. And I plot it all out and upload it into a GPS. And then I take that with me and I navigate with that. Uh, but Google Earth has been a great thing, too, because now you can look at mountains and rotate them and everything. You're like, oh, that's impassable. I can't do that. It's really cool because it's that that balance of you're, you're wanting to be out and explore and, and be raw and, and wild and, and kind of at the mercy of the elements but at the same time we have these tools now to to make it more accessible and, and to yeah. go to the places that, that few are able to manage to get to but it it adds a little bit of security to it so you, there's, yeah, you're there's not just wandering around in no, the bush no you know well some parts here I've done recent <laughs> there are yeah there's a lot of that bushwhacking going and getting beat up but you know it's kind of a little bit of the no pain no gain well and you mentioned the phrase like free soloing a little bit yeah. and, and so some of our listeners may be familiar with that because of the new documentary that just came out um, but basically it's just the idea of, of you're just using it's just you it's yeah. just you your 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 hands your legs and, yeah. and it's it's all you no ropes and i mean that that's it's quite dangerous yeah it's and it's cal- so, calculated though, but it's definitely. a calculated risk yeah yeah 
so so maybe maybe you could share how you got into that part of it like did you start off with well that like actually rock climbing gyms or was this just you out on the mountains learning and perhaps falling or uh being with peers good peers and mentors and opening myself and people are going out and trips and the biggest thing that was yeah getting getting with people that know what they're doing just going out there you know it's kind of like you know playing any sport or anything is yeah, like well sure. i couldn't like you know a huge soccer net i could kick the ball and get it in there to save my life a couple times later it's like hey i can get it in there and like oh i can actually pass i can do this so mm-hmm. it's that same idea it's just developing a, a comfort and a confidence and and building skills i've done courses um friend uh, jan newspell he's uh, island and alpine guides up in uh, lives out of Cumberland, actually, was a Himalayan guide and everything. I'd done some courses through him, and mm. he's just a compassionate, amazing human. And, you know, so I did a couple mountaineering courses with him and some skills. So, you know, you just don't go out, oh, I'm going to go do that. No, it's like, no. well, no, you learn, you go out a bunch of times, and you just do some hikes, and you do some little scrambles, and, you know, you find out what you're comfortable with. Uh, because, uh, you know, def- there is l- some places there are no second second chances, you no, know. Um, for sure. But, uh, and then, you know, a new question on, you know, your the risks out there. Uh, a couple years back, um, there was a, uh, a base jumping uh, paraglider that had died jumping off Squamish uh, mm-hmm. from the chief there. And then there was, so there was a CBC report and uh, my friend was on it and then I wrote a little piece following up on it. But, uh, you know, they say, well, we shouldn't do search and rescue to help these people or they should pay all these bills and all that. And, you know, I look at our systems, but a percentage of people actually that are in the outdoors and that are competent and skilled uh, is minuscule. You know, you're at a greater risk walking across the sidewalk or riding your bike on the street For or sure. driving your car. I mean, that right there, the stats, you know astronomically larger you know so uh, anything can happen any day but you know it plays better in the media to tell a story of an extreme oh it's extreme right that sells pretty well than just like oh someone else died in another car accident blah blah yeah yawn Mm -hmm. yeah just that whole idea of where people's fears are placed Mm -hmm. um and what influences those fears is is um an interesting discussion because yeah people there's a common thread that you know going out into the wild is dangerous and scary but it's it, in a lot of ways safer than you know driving to the airport but um another thing i wanted to touch on was the idea of solitude that you brought up mm-hmm. and something that we've referenced before on the podcast is a, a study that was done by a, a college in the united states that um the vast majority of men in particular are more willing to subject themselves to electric shocks than sit alone with their thoughts for 15 minutes. And <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I find that so remote and <laughs> odd. I, would, I wouldn't have ever guessed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's the, it's the day and age that we live in, and, and people are so used to distraction and are afraid of, of being alone with, with their own selves. And I, I w- wanted to ask, even though I just brought that information to you, but in just reacting to that, what? Why do you think that might be? Ah, uh, c- could be stereotypes. So maybe it's it's not the being alone with their thoughts, but it involves emotion, and you know, kind of like society with our media and stories and movies and books and you know, kind of like personas that have built themselves up over the last few decades is 
you know, guys aren't really supposed to be emotional, and being alone with your thoughts is that's an, an emotional concept. Um, you know, but as we explore now, I find you know these la- this last decade or even the last five years, I found that it's you're actually a little bit of a better person, and people respect you if you have that ability to be genuine and honest and address those emotions and mm-hmm. that solitude and be vulnerable. Yeah, Absolutely, we we use that word every episode, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it's pretty much the uh, Vulnerbi- vulnerability. Vulnerability. Yeah. It's a calling card of our podcast, really, and and what we ask of all our guests. And by the way, you're doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that's ultimately what it is, Chris. Is just pe- people, especially men in particular, and 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 especially traditionally, um, they don't have a safe place to just. Um, share a fear or share that thing that's buzzing in their head that's causing them stress or anxiety or anger and so they they check out yeah. you know they they mindlessly what just put on the hockey game or or the phone they they rely on that distraction i mean i think the phone is is becoming something where we rely on it to distract us it's not like we just end up being distracted we we expect it because we need the distraction because we like andrew said we'd rather get electrocuted then sit down and be with our thoughts. Yeah. And um, I guess the qu- question I had as you were talking is, have you always been a mindful explorer? Was no, there a point well, in, in your life where you were sort of at the mercy of your thoughts, so to speak? Yeah, well, I can, you know, I can jump all the way back in that timeline, but yeah. I just wanted to touch on the point real quick where you talk about that, you know, being vulnerable and addressing it and coming out with um I think part of that, and so that's why we need to talk about that timeline and where it started. But right here is, I find, I've, I've definitely found Vancouver Island for sure. It's almost like as soon as you cross that water, there is an openness. I, there's, mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on it. There's an absolute energy on this island where people, they're, and where I am anyhow, I'm speaking for myself, of course, are, are non-judgmental. Uh, they just like, hey, how are you? Oh, I see you as you, and you know, it's just like, how's your day? What do you want to do? And they just go on their their ways. I just and mm-hmm. and then if you allow yourself to be into that, you start finding all these people that just draw that out. Uh, I had uh, I discovered an amazing person, uh, Nadia, at uh, Harmony Yoga here in town, and uh, I do Yin Yoga, which is very meditative and stretching because of all the very physical activities that I do. So I wanted something to bring me down. It's just like. You know, you're you're doing yoga and you're getting emotional just from how she's talking. It's like, you know, and then there's a room. There wasn't even enough room to get in that yoga class. It was for the fall equinox on Monday and barely any She almost couldn't take any more people, so many people. And just you could just feel that energy and like that. This whole area just resonates with that. So I was fortunate to discover Vancouver Island. But, you know, how the heck did I get here? Mm-hmm. And have I always been the mindfulness? No, um, you know, and it kind of. So in the start touches on what uh, you said, Andrews, we just kind of are always distracted and everything. So this whole start came from distraction comes from we get we're just kind of we're in this routine. Everybody's stuck in this routine right now. It's like you get up in the morning, you commute, you go to work, you commute back home after work, you eat supper, you turn on the TV, you go to sleep and it's just the same thing. And you think you're happy and you're doing it. And it's like, well. I'm doing all this work because now I want to buy more stuff and I've got to have this big house and my big house is because while everybody else is doing it, it's got to be big and you know it's like okay well I got that and then it's just this you're stuck in these cycles and it's and it's what society is telling us you know when we're social media especially with its change and marketing everything is just saying that it's like people are taking it and seeing it as uh, 
it's normal but it's not you know we're we're trapped in this just cycle and so then it's like this uh, um the the term is that you know that's a hedonic adaptation you just get used to it and now it's that next bigger thing and then that next thing so we're not reflecting on the impact of our consumptions and are working are we working to live or are we working just to pay for these things that actually aren't fulfilling our life so uh yeah myself it was geez probably i think now it's already 2019 so mm-hmm. probably eight years ago um uh you know when i'm here on vancouver island of all places i i lived in the prairies and uh i worked in the oil field you know all the stuff we're seeing in the news and everything's seen with climate change and uh you know i was in that industry and uh you know it was very good to me it provided for me i enjoyed my life um, but i worked in the oil industry uh, i was just every day doing that same thing going to work doing what I'm doing I was in my cycle in my routine I was still involved in the community but I had done a lot of things and I just felt that things I had done and things I was involved in I was a city councillor there as well for two terms and Mm. really enjoyed that part of giving back to the community but everything I kept doing just seemed really repetitive and uh, I started reading a a couple books Um, the first uh, I read uh, Your Money or Your Life um, it talks about us analyzing and looking at everything we're doing is like those hours and those minutes that you're giving up are you getting a return on investment from it now I use the word return on investment in that money sense because that's kind of the way everybody thinks but are you is it really bringing you happiness or fulfillment or could you make a lot less money or spend a lot less money and actually be happier so yeah. you know your money or your life and then uh, a f- uh, a very simple book was actually uh, Dalai Lama's book, uh, uh-huh. Path to a Meaningful Life. Like mm-hmm. that was resounding. That's really where I found. You know, it wasn't so much about the Buddhist teachings, but it was. And you know, I don't, I don't really have a a religion or a true spiritual path. I think there's a little bit of mindfulness in everything, and then that's that was a big takeaway from that. So now I was like, I had this new sense of mindfulness and looking at how everything I do affects my life and the life of others. And then those decisions, how were those decisions taken away from my life? Am I actually enjoying the best years of my life? And, you know, and then to where we talked earlier about those accidents, I could fall off a mountain or I could be hit by a car tomorrow. I need to make sure, like, it's tough to say life's finite. We don't want to address that. I think we're actually afraid of that. Like, be happy in knowing that, you know, I it could end any time. I am eventually going to die, so... Let's make the most of it. So I saw that happening. And uh, so it was a, a summer trip out in 2013. You know, so I'd saw these things and I was reading and then I started delving into more about personal finance and consumption and how are we spending our dollars and cents. And uh, and there's a lot of things mixed in that. Uh, there's like a lot of stoic principles that are mixed in with that on, you know, our, our consumption and our wastefulness uh, monetarily. Uh but knowing all this, we were out, uh, my wife and my family, uh, we usually come out to Vancouver to the West Coast quite a bit to do uh, road trips. And we were out here with her, her store again, the, the retail trip. Every year was, uh, twice a year actually, it was in Vancouver, Coal Harbor, beautiful. You're sitting there, you see the North Shore Mountains and looking across, you can see Vancouver Island and Mount Baker on a perfect day. And you're like, wow, and the old growth forest. And as we were driving out, we're like, well, you know, now I still partially in that mindset of you know buying more things and things like well we're looking at hot we drove at highway three because it's an interesting drive and i'm like well let's buy a summer home out this way and then we it's a long drive from saskatchewan (laughs) (laughs) so we had a lot of time to keep chatting back and forth as we're going and 
you know, we're as we're driving out, we're like, oh, well, Fernie or, Cran- or Cranbrook or Castlegar or somewhere along that way. And um, they got to the end and we got looking around here and like, well, we can't afford Vancouver. And then we started driving back and kept talking about it. We're like, you know, well, why would we have a second place? Let's, we could move. And we're like, okay. Um, and part of that was uh, uh, in all those things. And uh, there's actually an interesting blog uh, website called Mr. Money Mustache. Uh, it's, it's the MMM. It's almost uh, people joke it's a cult following, but it's actually <laughs> a way of life of looking at, you know, not spending on things, saving for the future, reducing your expenses and living a fulfilling life with a lower impact and having um, a really mindful consumer uh, approach. Uh, so looking at that going, well, part of that is, you know, don't be afraid. Uh, it's, you know, geo arbitrage, you know, moving to another area to improve your financial situation. You know, we, we do we get emotionally attached to places, but we need to remove a bit of emotion from it. And so we looked at that and we're like, well, we could do it. And so that was in August. We actually decided by September and we're like, no, oh, we're doing it. Let's just do it. So we because oh. I wanted to get out of that rut, out of that cycle. I also thought it would be great for the kids to come to a new area and experience new ways of life so they have, they're have they more rounded through their life experiences. Because uh, I had two kids, teenagers, uh, and my mm-hmm. wife, you know, we were just going to just do it and see what happened. Uh, so I want to dig into that a little bit because that exact moment, that mm-hmm. point in time to take that leap, that is obviously the, a huge change point and, and turning point. What gave you that strength to take that huge leap and and make that change because people can they can look at things that they want and think like oh imagine this life i could have potentially you know but there's always excuses there's always 10 reasons why not to do something so what gave you that strength to actually proceed well you know if you was if you started reciting off that list i bet probably eight out of ten of those are financial I've got a house. House is replaceable. Well, my car, my job's here. Jobs are replaceable. I got this here. I got all of that's replaceable. My wife and I have been together since grade ten. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm 45 now. So, I, you know, we don't know any other life. We had each other, our kids. We've moved a bunch of different times, and we're just happy to be together. And we're kind of, you know, it's it's it's. Yeah, definitely. So we weren't afraid of that part of it. It's just everything's replaceable. Everything. Happiness isn't, you know, you can't just, you can't just replace happiness. It's either you are or you aren't. And, uh, you know, her and I, though, and then a bit of it, too, is like her and I both like challenges. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely a challenge to that. But we were just, we were committed to each other and we were both confident in doing it and thought, you know, it's a a good thing for us emotionally and for our, our health and happiness. So what I'm wondering, too, is, is it seems most people don't make a change of that magnitude unless there's some under underlying suffering they're dealing with in order. And so they'd rather not suffer anymore and they'd rather go through the suffering of change instead of endure the, the suffering of, of, of what they're used to. So what was was there something you were trying to escape or was it just this this grand vision of, of something better? Um. You know, I definitely, I loved where I lived. I don't want to, you know, I'd hate to accidentally offend anybody say it was it was better. Um, I still have lots of family that live where we moved Man, from. I'm from the prairies too, yeah, so it's so, fine. I get it. Um, <laughs> but no, definitely, I just, you know, I needed to complete, completely break away. It was fear of being, there was the fear, is, you know, and all the reading and everything is like, don't be afraid to try new things and do new things and experiences. And I was 
fearful of getting caught in that. I you could use those names. It's just like keeping up with the Joneses and mm-hmm. the rat race. I just felt this thing that there was just this. It was you're really a lot of judging on what you have, what you own, and what you do. Uh, I wanted to get away from a place that's a fresh fresh start, and that you you can just be you. People you know appreciate. Um, and I didn't know what I was getting into in Vancouver Island. So part of that radical change is uh, we'd only ever been to Vancouver Island once. We had been to Victoria for a wedding. We flew in and back. I had no idea how amazing the Cowichan Valley was. Uh, did some research and everything. And we were looking for a place that was affordable, had a good quality of life, and we could walk everywhere and a good community. But, yeah, we had actually never been here. So, And when I flew out to buy the house and look around, um, I still we still hadn't told anybody. We hadn't listed our existing house for sale. I flew out by myself. Uh, I actually had some friends in the Couch and Valley, so I stayed with them. So that maybe that had a bit to do with moving to this area, but still had never been here. Uh, so flew out, looked at a bunch of houses, bought a house that <laughs> that day. Phoned my wife back and said I found one. She's like, "I'll look on Google Earth. Oh, that looks good. Sounds great." So <laughs> that was two months later, and then so then now it's like, "Well, I bought a house. We need to tell everybody. I need to do a letter and." told my employer and we told we still had a retail store out there my wife's like well we're moving someone's going to manage this and we'll run it remotely and uh list my house and tell a whole bunch of people and then it was that was so august we decided and it was we were living here december 15th so it took wow. four months that we sold our house there bought a house here moved everything traveled out and part of that is breaking from that rat race we actually sold pretty much everything we had you know we one of our big passions out that way was racing motocross so i had a travel i had a big uh motorhome pulled a big travel trailer we had dirt bikes we had all these things we had brand new trucks and you know out in the prairies you gotta have a big brand new four by four and we had all those things and uh moving this way we actually sold every single thing we owned just got rid of everything I mean, this this is an extraordinary, extraordinary tale, Chris. And, and, and I'm thinking that if I have some questions, some of our listeners might like um, that would have taken so much of so many things. Um, and, and, you know, you've, you've pointed to books you've read that that sort of encouraged you in that direction. And this this fear you talked about of perhaps not getting caught up in all that. But it seems like there had to be something deeper that actually forced you to take a leap of this size um because it seems like from your from what you've described anyways that everything was was going great i mean you had a well-paying job in a secure industry um presumably you had you know lots of friends mm-hmm. and good community yeah. you had a home presumably your your kids were engaged in their school everything was going fine someone might say like you know why if it's not broke why you know don't fix it kind of thing like why why break up your life if if it was going so well um was it was there anything more you can point to uh, i'd i'd like to i mean i would say there's a mix of my terrible competitive nature and challenges so i yeah. saw it as a challenge but okay. honestly it's one of those you know, to make a movie correlation, honestly, it's seriously one of those matrix moments. It's the okay. red pill, it's the red pill, the blue pill. Uh, You've seen it, you got a glimpse that uh, things can be different. You don't need this normal cycle and it's just this, this, mm. you know, going around, make more money, make more money, make more money, this, you know, and, you know, I'm definitely not judging anybody that does that, but no. it just, I saw that it's like, there's a different way. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's extraordinary. You know, I, I wanted to work hard and sell all this stuff. All these things weren't allowing me to actually work less. I thought they were allowing me to enjoy 
but I needed to work more to keep paying for everything. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, it was actually for, it was, it's a life decision for the health and my future of my life. Like I see so many people that are still working late into their sixties. I don't want that. And on, no. I mean, we'll probably get to that, but I'm not doing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, th- just the, the, that pressure to constantly work for the sake of working to pay for the things we buy it's so physically and mentally unhealthy and damaging. Mm-hmm. The lack of mindful consumption, I think, is probably the biggest contributor to mental health problems in North America, I would I would dare to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was, it, in a sense, I mean, it sounds simple like it isn't, but it almost is a life or death decision. Yeah. And, yeah. and wow. coming full circle to that, life is finite. Yeah. How are you going to spend every minute, your money or your life? Yeah. Yeah, that that whole idea of consumption is when we're constantly playing that consumer game and consuming natural resources and consuming goods that we then just throw away, single-use goods, and and it is that part of us is consumed by that as well. Part of our time, part of our life energy, which we're just putting into having enough money to be able to afford to consume all of these things. And it's, it's cyclical and and really damaging in a lot of ways. So I I can certainly appreciate that, that idea and the the effect on, on mental health and and physical well-being as well. At the same time, breaking that cycle is, as John's attesting to is challenging, but you like challenge. Um, What, (laughs) was there anything in particular about that, either about selling everything or about starting the new journey that was, you would say was hardest. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, it just seems like it just flowed all so well. I'm trying to think is what was the hardest. Um, definitely leaving family. I mean, you know, we moved all the way out here. We're, there's no one out here. We're by ourselves. All of our family's far away. So, I mean, that was challenging. Um, we've definitely found, uh, we've got a good network of friends we'd consider almost family out here and um, we found a place and a feeling of belonging and uh, but I mean that was definitely hard um, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny what I what I sort of see going on here <laughs> I, I see me and Andrew sort of like there had to be more to this I, I like know. people don't do this yeah. you know and I, I feel like the listeners might might be feeling the same way it's just like what's going on but but I mean I think I think you're just one of those rare people that's actually doing what maybe deep down we all know that we should be doing is remaining true to ourselves, listening to that voice inside ourselves, and living our true life. And and you can't do that when, when you can't even hear the voices. And so at a, at a vulnerable time in your life, you were tuned into that voice. Mm-hmm. You actually listened to it and then you did it. Yeah. And um, so in a sense, it is easy when you describe it like that. But, um, you know, I, I guess the more attached we are, the more sticky our life is, the harder it would be to do that. And so perhaps that's why, <laughs> why we have so many questions yeah. and perhaps, you know, you know, I need to be less sticky. Cause, well, cause and I it could, <laughs> it could have been really, really hard to, I yeah. mean, uh, I was fortunate that, uh, I had an employer that really wanted to keep me. Um, I wrote a, a letter to him and said what I was proposing and, um, it worked out to my benefit. I was in Saskatchewan, but I was doing, technical sales out of downtown Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I was actually coming to Calgary and then this modern age, I was doing lots of emails and lots of phone calls and doing everything digitally. So I, it's like, well, I'm an hour and a half flight to Calgary from Saskatchewan. I'm an hour and a half flight from Vancouver Island. What does it matter? 
So I proposed to them and they're like, okay, so actually I continued to work for Vancouver Island for another three years for my same employer. Uh, and that went really well. And definitely with the change and the things I accomplished, I mean, I, I, you know, I definitely was very fortunate and privileged to have a, a I had a well-paying job. I mean, I can't not say that that's not, that would be misleading. Um, you know, I worked hard for 21 years and worked my way up and, uh, I definitely I was at that point I was like most people just start spending more of that money and blowing it and I was like no I need to sell everything and change it so that's that big thing is you know mm-hmm. mindful consumption of what are we actually spending our money on so saving investing and so I worked here for an- another three years and then uh, yeah slowly stepped uh, stepped away so I'm actually now because of those smart choices the easiest way to make more money is have less expenses so uh, I treated all those things that we normally don't you know I treated debt as the greatest evil and got rid of all our debt and as I talked earlier we're selling everything we got rid of our brand new vehicles and sold them and bought old used scratched up old vehicles and um, just not worrying what anybody thought it's like well this is what we own this is what we have it's plenty and uh, so the easiest way to make more money is have less expenses and I'm at that point now where my expenses are so minimal that uh, I was able to leave work two and a half years ago, and now I and explore my passion. Was how part of also that mindful explorer evolved. I was able to get in the outdoors more, and um, with all that stuff I was reading and learning, I wanted to share with others. So I had started blogging a little bit. My blog evolved as much as I've evolved towards. So mostly about the outdoors, but just sharing my thoughts and my emotions and my my path and my journey with others. So I've always been sharing that. Um, so now I actually, you know, it's, I, I make a little bit of money off photography and writing. And, mm. you know, I was a guy who spent 21 years using wrenches and tools and <laughs> freezing in winter and out in the mud and muck and oil. And now I'm I'm writing, <laughs> which I was like, what the heck, you know, I would have yeah. ever thought of that. So, but it's just not being afraid and just going for it, mm. um, you know, which I, you know, so that's just not possible for some people. So, you know, and thinking about just that sense of joy or fulfillment that can come from having less in a sense it sounds counterintuitive but you know it's not when you think back like I've I've been married to to my to to Angie for 23 years now and we think about when we were first married Uh, we were just barely 21 we we were so poor I mean poor poor I, I guess you know no one's truly poor maybe in Canada but we were you know we compared to the you know the joneses <laughs> we yeah. were very poor um and we remember times of like finding a toonie in the couch cushions and being like woo i mean we didn't have bread we didn't have milk but then we'd go out instead and like split fries or something you know just those times mm-hmm. of like um we had so little but but we weren't really we didn't feel the weight of the little yeah, that's well, that's know? exactly my wife and I. We both came from families that didn't have much. Uh, yeah. I lived with my mom, single parent working. Um, I had to get jobs when I was a teenager to pay for the things I wanted. Yeah. Um, and then in high school, we were or when we went to college together, and you know, we were in a two hundred square foot apartment. Yeah, yeah. She worked at A and W. I yeah, was a yeah. waiter. <laughs> you know, we were trying to get tips and making minimum wage, and but having fun and knowing it's like so. You, exactly. you brought yourself looking back. That's like, but you were happy. Exactly. Um, and yeah. don't get me wrong. I actually I do endorse you know spending, but make sure it's on the right thing. And right. you know, I have nothing against anybody going and spending two thousand dollars on a full backpacking setup if they're actually going to do it. They're not doing it because it looks cool or you know they are they actually right. going to do it because. That $2,000 they're spending on all of that is actually 
their gym membership. All the prescriptions and doctor's visits they aren't going to have to do. You know, you're going mm-hmm. out and you're getting healthy and you're fit and you're outdoors and, you know. That That's a great point. There's those things like, well, you're spending this. Well, actually, I'm not. I'm actually probably adding years on my life. I'm making myself healthier and fitter. I'm improving my mental health. You know, so it's that. And for others, it might be a bike or it might be a part of a club or something, you know. So w- there's nothing wrong with buying things. It's just we don't need every. Thing. And we don't need the next newest thing. If what we have is great, you know, and I hope people is like, well, and I look at that. And I'm like, how can I tell people not to buy things and do things again? My wife has a, has a retail business and it's like, well, she, we're trying to sell things to people. Well, I don't want people to buy things that they can't afford it or shouldn't have it. If this is adding something to you, then, you know, make sure that, you know, that's what's right for you. So yeah, with that change, you know, I've tried to really push not on anything, you know, we don't need all the decorations in the house and you know we're not we're not i'm not a minimalist by anything but i really you know there's that whole simple living concept of having the right things that surround you and those things that surround you aid to your your mindset you know those your environment really affects your mindset well andrew you talk so much about the our purpose being aligned with our values Mm -hmm. and kind of what i hear chris talking about is spending money on something connected to our values yeah and and doing work creating a situation where you're able to work do work meaningful work that's aligned with with your purpose and and what is most important to you and as as you've said it took a number of years to get there it's not an easy step like we're not here saying everyone quit your jobs (laughs) and just start writing blogs bird will you quiet down a little bit (laughs) um just start (laughs) writing blogs on what interests you most but there's a process and and at some point it requires a leap having the courage to to bring change into your life and and start down a a different path because who knows where you might end up um i would imagine that when you made that decision to move to the island you had no idea where you'd be eight years later no yeah um yeah we had no idea i mean what if i didn't get that what if I wasn't able to keep the job I had, right? You know, and different things that have, have occurred, you know. But, but you don't know. And, uh, you know, that can be scary, but enjoyable at the same time. Again, it's that challenge side. I've said I can't help it. That's my nature. I enjoy challenges and, and something new. Well, you know, I do chase new. Maybe that's could be unhealthy, but it's worked out for me. Um, but, yeah, I and not everybody's going to be able to do that, you know, through certain circumstances, but just knowing that the possibility does exist. Mm-hmm. In terms of consumerism and the messages that we get drilled into our heads, because that that is the reason why everyone, there's the Joneses there and, and we all feel like we need to keep up with them. It's There's those message that are, messages that are portrayed and, and that we grow up with that encourage those spending habits and the buying of new things and those cycles do you have any advice on what people might do to quiet those signals that are coming in hmm. well right away is like if you're going to go buy something reflect on how many hours it took you to earn that money to buy that thing like what what, what did you trade off you know it's like you know i could have i could have worked five hours less and gone on that gone and done something you enjoy it could be you know i could have spent five hours at the library reading a book if you enjoy books rather than that thing you bought 
Um, Man, you're so speaking it, my language. Yeah, it's just <laughs> really just yeah. seeing that. It's that that's a quick, simple mindset. It's to everything you do. It's like, how many hours did I yeah, work? For sure. What did I just work to pay for that? So. <laughs> You could even go to a business sense. It's like, well, you know, what do I have to do to offset this capital yeah. cost? Um, so with houses, you know, that was the big thing is uh, I'm keep right. I'm, that's actually my biggest stress right now is I want an even smaller house. I want mm. to have, have actually jokingly, there's an awesome company here in the Couch and Valley, Rewild Homes. I keep looking at tiny homes because that's sure. all I need. I mean, I'm. I'm happiest outdoors where I've got nothing, you know, the house just, we need to kind of look at certain things in our lives and without that, that consumer filters, you know, a house is just a place of security and warmth and where we eat and where we sleep. It, it doesn't define us. So again, a house is like, well, okay, well you just bought, uh, you know, the couch and Valley definitely now with, you know, how we're seeing those market effects on housing is, um, how many years are you going to have to keep working now to afford that house? You know, like how many people come to your house and how many times are you, you know, have, are you having family coming and do you need those extra three bedrooms and all that? Um, and as well, you know, that, yeah, that was the big thing. I saw that too. And you know, that those brand new trucks, you know, like I said, when I sold that one truck, I mean, I think we saved $600 a month by getting rid of it and three years off the loan. Like that's a lot of money. You know, and it's like, I shake my head and I'm like, wow. And this other, that other old vehicle, I've still got it six years later and it's got 240,000 K on it. And keeps on rocking and gets me up the mountains i don't care if it gets dinged or scratched i don't have to pay for collision insurance on it because i don't really care all these <laughs> little things just kind of keep snowballing on how they cost and save you and bigger house costs more insurance and they cost more to heat and usually when you have a big house you don't even realize it and you just get oh i need to fill it with more stuff and i need well we need another chair in that corner and while well, that chair is it needs a plant beside it and where does it end right so really finding just that uh, just being happy with what you have. You know, th this is a timely discussion. My, my wife and I were just talking with our very environmentally minded daughter, youngest daughter, Alexa. About oh, I like where this is going. This is where my mindset is. <laughs> about the environment. Um, and she's always bringing up stuff. Um, you know, Greta Thunberg and, and all her work. And, mm -hmm. and she's always showing us videos. And, and she does the projects on the environment all the time. And, and she came up to us the other day and she's like, you know, dad, the, the three R's. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. And she's like, uh, she's like, yeah, it's, you know, we, we do a lot of recycling. And I was like, I know, you know, and she's like, you know, that's the least effective of all three of those. And, it's, you know, it takes power to recycle and just got off. And um, so what you just heard there, listeners. <laughs> hey, I got a nut. <laughs> was not a drive-by shooting. <laughs> But uh, we got some lovely oaks surrounding us, and they're dropping their nuts as we speak. So yeah, you can have that. Chris. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she just uh, she was saying that it's it's good. There's so much we're recycling, but but people can be sort of um, lured into the idea that that recycling is so environmental, but it's it's actually the least effective of the three. What if what if we reduced what we bought? What if instead of when your shoe gets a little hole in it, instead of just buying a new pair, you go down to the local cobbler, you know, or, or if your computer, you know, is, isn't, is a bit slower instead of chucking it, um, you know, go down and get it fixed. I mean, there's just so many, there's thousands of tips, but it's just changing the mindset ultimately is what we're talking about is yeah. instead of just always, you know, shiny new and we're lulled into that or lured into that with the iPhone, right? Oh. Uh, Damn, you know, I was so happy when I had the iPhone 10. Now there's an 11 out. Oh, jeez. 
I'm so behind when I can when can I trade this in again it's just that that mindset that's killing us and and if we began to look at it like um you know it's about reducing and reusing uh, mm-hmm. how could that transform our everyday life and and it, it it doesn't need to be like a big complicated thing I mean we can start reducing and reusing immediately I mean we, we it's just it's just changing our mindset and having that discussion with the kids especially because they're hard to sell on it, although they're selling us on it. So yeah, yeah. The, as we see with Greta, she's leading up. And, yeah. and this is what's starting to happen in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Not, you know, as we reduce those things, you know, if our houses get smaller and then our houses might be closer together and, or we might keep our house size. But, you know, we the kids stay living at home. My, my kids are both graduated and living at home. And I keep joking, you know, they move <laughs> out. But I actually don't, I see no problem. Like there's that thing where it's like kids have to move out. And if they're at home, they're not fulfilled as adults it's like well no i mean let's you have a healthier family if you're all together they don't need to leave you know Mm. so them not having to have their own house or something is reducing impact and we can all keep ourselves Mm -hmm. within this one footprint Um, and then the the reusing you know i look at uh, back to the outdoor uh, that i like uh, the company patagonia their entire campaign was if you guys recall is they had the photo of the jacket and it said don't buy this jacket Mm. Right. They repair any of their jackets for yeah, life. Yeah. They said, just send it to them. We'll fix it to you. We don't want you to buy a new one. That's great. Only buy it if you need it. So, you know, if if a new vehicle is, you need it for work or it's what you actually need, you know, and that's going to bring enjoyment for your family, what you do. I mean, like I said, again, I'm not here to say, you know, but it's look at the big picture of all those things put together. They They really add up. And then all those things have a profound impact on the environment, which is why I've become hyper aware with is that mindful is uh, definitely looking at our mindfully looking at our our footprint um, from the environment and our consumption um, you know our effect on things around so finding that time of moving here and uh, by being able to work less I've been able to do more in the community so I've been involved in a lot of things and seeing that so I've got a greater awareness so I appreciate you going off on that mm-hmm. that topic uh, that's the the biggest thing for me I actually just got back from uh Alberta last week uh, I did a road trip with an electric vehicle showing that you can drive all the way to I oh, drove wow. almost all the way to the Saskatchewan border uh, electric vehicle and coming back and on the way I was hiking and mountain biking and run trail running and actually le- managed to land a couple little social media side contracts for some couple tourism companies out that way uh, c- the cities that are even Alberta out there I was in Lethbridge and Minnesota they're seeing it and they wanted to really promote that mm-hmm. low impact of just come here and we've got beautiful trails to run and mountain bike and we've got electric car chargers and you know those type of things showing that we can still do all those things we can go on road trips and we can do that but we can really reduce our impact Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and it's really when we're talking about the consumerism and and like hey why not not buy that thing just because it's new it's so ingrained in our culture right now but that these are 20th century issues we we and there's um a documentary about this the century of the self which um they talk about how they were able to use propaganda and um studies and observations from freud to encourage people to consume more and to keep the factories working and keep goods being produced so to sell the goods so that they were able to keep making money um before that before first world war people didn't just buy things because they were new that wasn't part of human nature 
we we look around and we see it and it's just our reality now because we can only see from our own perspective but this isn't how we were always wired it's just how we've been brainwashed basically to keep spending keep spending keep buying to perpetuate the global economy there is another way i mean people might be thinking like well that's not how i i could never live my life that way but you can it's it's all about choices and mindset and retraining your brain and and quieting those outside influences of of media and consumerism that that are all around us and what's a great way to do that go, go be outside yeah, absolutely. you know, you don't you don't see a lot of advertisements yeah. in strathcona park no <laughs> when, no when you're um, out there and yeah for that for that getting outside and being in solitude i mean that could be as simple as just the park downtown you know yeah. turn your phone off leave it in the car or leave it at work and just go walk through that park it's nothing extreme about that there's nothing difficult anybody can do that even if you're in a wheelchair you can roll your wheelchair through that park and just be there and just kind of slow it slow it down so there doesn't need to be extreme and it's accessible to anybody to to get outdoors and find that benefit of that solitude so we can actually start thinking about the things we're doing and reflect on them without that next stimulus pulling our distraction away um and you know we might not be able to think of that one thing there are probably a hundred things that go through our head if it's my case i have trouble staying on track in my mind but at least i'm slowly addressing each one of them but yeah getting outdoors and uh I think that's that that's the big movement we're seeing across the world right now is looking at how how is our free market work how does capitalism affecting our, and you know socialism and our political structures and everything I think people really want to get a way back to a simpler way and I think our economy will be fine and our businesses are going to be fine but we can just really make it a lot simpler I have plenty of friends that are living in vans and out of choice and everyone's like oh they can't afford it no they can afford they've got good paying jobs they love it it's just a they just want that simplicity because it just the stress the burden that we don't realize we're putting on our shoulders like it's just it's crushing absolutely crushing us so it's it's crushing our souls we don't have time to look left or right or slow down or be aware of the things around us appreciate the things around us appreciate the people around us so and it's crushing our soul to what end yeah like what what is the where does this where does this road lead us like in the end hey look at look at all my new stuff no one gives a shit yeah we don't even really give a shit you know so so it's just getting out of that pattern because often with this it's just habit and pattern right we just we're mindlessly we're not being mindful like like you talk about we're being just mindlessly just going through life just sort of like a tumbleweed in the prairies you know just wherever the wind takes us and no sense of 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 direction or or purpose or meaning Mm -hmm. behind what we're doing and it's just being more intentional about our experiences and our thoughts yeah. and our time and, and like you said seeing it as man hours you know with that really connected with me because you know with my with my landscaping company i'm always it's always man hours and so i i, I think of that right away now it's like if i if i'm gonna buy a new vacuum it's got to be a dyson it's got to be 700 dollars. <laughs> okay 700 dollars. how many man hours is that is that worth it to me and if i can well yeah that is worth it to me because of this yeah. and this okay well good at least yeah. you've thought it through thought but it through. often you don't think it through and, um, just threw it on a credit card. Yeah, yeah, throw it on a credit card. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, that was that was helpful. Yeah. If if someone is intrigued, but um, no one can go from current situation to Mister Money Mustache <laughs> lifestyle um, in in an instant, 
but what are some first steps that that maybe are moving to a different province or a different part of the world um, but what are some first steps that people might be able to take well look at what you oh got the the dogs are howling here <laughs> what do we got going on <laughs> they're they're in the conversation i wish i knew <laughs> what they were saying because they had the answer if you listen really quick they just had the answer for us so. this is amazing we got squirrels running on the yeah. on the fence and dogs howling and you know dogs. if we didn't have these headsets and these really sensitive mics we probably wouldn't notice all these little things <laughs> no, it's, just, it's weird with the feedback when you have right. your, totally. your, your yeah. headphones but uh that's cool um the the biggest thing is yeah um right away debt treat it like it's your hair's on fire like mm. debt is it, yeah. it crushes people it Absolutely. stresses them out and uh so just stop you kind of need to pump the brakes on everything else you're doing and kill that debt and if that involves moving out of the place you're in sell your house and move to something smaller and then you know maybe you'll be able to pull some equity on that house and pay off all your debt and now sudden you're like oh, I, this smaller house is pretty nice or this lower rent place is nice. I've got a happy life, but I'm even happier because now I don't have <laughs> debt. So that's like that's number one right there. Um, uh, I said it earlier, it was the easiest way to make more money is have to spend less money, right? Now you don't need to earn more and you've got more discretionary spending, um, you know. And again, speaking, there's some certain there's circumstances that people are in that life has you know been tough on them, and they don't have that ability to do it. But uh, for the majority of of us out there, that, that it's been a choice. They put themselves in that hard decision because of needless consumption. So the the, the debt, and then definitely look at all your things, your 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 housing and your car. You know, those are massive expenses. Massive. You know the expensive brand new car usually has all these things you're doing it and you're paying more insurance and the big house and the big house costs you know more to heat and then you're putting more stuff in it it's like all these every, every time you buy something there's actually we never look at we always just think about the purchase price of something there's actually a cost of ownership to everything mm, mm. so it's not you know you've bought it but what is it actually going to cost you you know so and and that goes in with a sport too or other things it's like well i'm going to get a golf membership and Again, make sure that's what you want if that's your sport and your health, but there's going to be a membership with it, and then you're going to be buying all these new, you know, like just actually it's okay to be to analyze everything we do. We just kind of just get in that routine, and we just do stuff without thinking it through. So um, it's almost it goes to backpacking. You know, the, the core things are what cost you the most, but they have the biggest impact on you. You know, it's your, you know, your, your shelter is what uh, what makes you happiest in the outdoors, and well, you know, looking at our, our houses and our cars, um, those things can put the great stress on us. So there, that as well is don't, don't ever buy more than you need. You know, in some ways, Chris, people may, may be thinking, you know, it's, it's almost like two stories in one here. You know, for first half, we sort of talked about life in the outdoors. And the second half, we've sort of zeroed in on personal finance and, and, uh, and lifestyle and all these things but they're, they're so connected at the same time and, and absolutely it, and it made me even think like all the all the time you do spend in solitude which we discussed earlier um in nature you're able to see your life for what it is you're able to get outside of yourself and your the rat race that you're in yeah and see like when you're sitting up on a mountain i'm sure you've experienced this hundreds of times sitting up on the mountain you've got that euphoria and you're just you all of a sudden see your life for, for at an angle you've never seen it at. And you say, oh, my gosh, like you talked about coming back to your wife and saying, hey, and now I see your side of things. Yeah. Um, or you just see a spending habit. And so perhaps one of the takeaways for our listeners as well is is 
if if this sounds like you know foreign to you or if you're just not tracking like go go out in nature and leave your phone and just begin to like clear your head and you'll be surprised at what you see you'll be surprised at the residue that's left over 100 <laughs> um, of and that residue may be be your true self and so um yeah i lo- I, I love the the connection there between the nature and, and what it can give us yeah well without making those choices i would have never found the out, you know the outdoors that was no. just kind of something that happened here and you know through social media and I, I like using social media for good I discovered people and they introduced me to that and I found these things but I never would have been done that if I was just working all the time or just focused on that and then you know if we work so hard then it's like well then I need a vacation I need to leave and it's always just these stressful vacations and everything because you want to get away from the stressful work you're in That's it's like right, yeah. no you can actually just chill out at home you know we right. can just right there you're working less you're enjoying you're coming home and you don't have that those burdens on you and uh, you don't have to rush away you can actually be happy where you are Mm. so you you always talk about or you have spoken about how much you gravitate towards challenges and and uh and finding new ones and uh it seems that you've got a lot of peace and balance in your life and you're you're able to kind of live aligned with your values at this point but i'm curious what might be challenging you now Hugh, actually my biggest challenge is honestly for me is um well two things uh, i'm really bad with saying yes to things and it's not like yes to buying things or going and doing things it's actually i uh, I'm, I'm on a lot of different board of directors and a lot of groups and a lot of volunteering and they're all good things and you feel obligated and then at times you know some of them I've got uh, too many things going you want to step away and you feel guilty because it's good and you're helping others but sometimes it's healthy and the right thing to do is say no so that's right now on a um, uh, mental uh, emotional spiritual level is finding the ways to say no it's okay and it's healthy to do we say yes to too many things and I'm just creating a stress on myself that doesn't need to be there and I'm maybe doing a disservice to all those things I think I'm benefiting because I'm stressed when I'm in those situations. I love doing it and love the community service but because I'm in these, I'm just so stressed and thinking about the next one, it's like, oh, I've got a meeting and I've got to go help and I've got this volunteer day and it's like, am I fully there when I'm there? So finding, being able to say no or oper- and those might open, I might be missing other opportunities that are better for me at that time in life because I'm so overcommitted in other areas. So why'd you say yes to coming on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Help other people learn from me. Because you kind of because when I asked you, uh, this this is what I appreciated. When I asked you, you weren't just like I'm in, buddy. You're like you know I'm going to take some time and think about it and, and check out what you're doing yeah. and, and I'll get back to you. Yeah. And I and I really appreciated that because I'm like great. We want people who are intentional and and want to come on because they have a, they have a, a message to share and. And so then you went away and, and you know, here we are. But, uh, but, I, but I think that's another good lesson is, is to be intentional about the things we say yes to. Absolutely. Um, that, and that goes to that. I spend so much. So that was where I was going to go is my other part is my problem is saying yes so much to stuff. But it's uh, a bit on social media. Um, what I'm doing is I'm writing a lot and I'm sharing images and stories and quotes and messages. And I'm so connected to social media, but I want to get away from it at times you yeah. know because i spend so much on it so navigating that side so when you reached out to me um, part of what i push on people on social media is to do things kind of 
really be aware of what you're putting out there. It gets back to that mindful, how you act and react. Uh, I think we're in a really like this toxic environment on social and we're seeing it in politics and everything. It's For sure. people aren't acting with compassion and empathy or respect. We've lost the ability to debate and discuss. And it's like, it's okay to disagree with somebody mm-hmm. and then we can walk away and go have a coffee. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't need to agree with you and, but you don't need to, you know, that attacking nature and, uh, I, I align myself with a lot of things and speak on behalf of a lot of people. So when you reached out, it's just like, okay, well, I'm sure this is awesome, but what is their message and who have they been on there before? Or what have they done? And can I, um, not that it benefit me, but can I, and I wanted to make sure I had something I could add. And I, you know, hopefully today, you know, I'm adding something for somebody. So that was my big concern was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. But can I actually add value? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, man. Like, you, this, this has been a, such a timely discussion, and, and I feel very fortunate to, to, that we've been able to host it in such a, in the outdoors. I mean, I th- I'm looking forward to hearing this episode and hearing all the <laughs> the little creatures chiming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. no, thank you so much yeah. for, for giving up, uh, you know, a couple hours of your time to, yeah. to come hang with us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering, do you have any parting words or, or offerings for, for anyone who might be listening and, and might be uh, taking an opportunity to, to reflect on, on what they've heard today? I honestly, I beg people. Like, and it, I talk to people every day and I still screw up on stuff and I get so mad at myself for it because I could have done better in situations, but that's that mindfulness and it, it in, applying it in that broad base, it's like looking at it in every aspect of your day. If you're you know someone's at tim horton's getting a coffee and it's taking longer than normal it's out of your control just relax you chose to be there you want that coffee just wait in line or there's construction getting angry is going to do nothing but stress you out and anger you it's out of your control just relax but what about a slow driver i mean that's (laughs) that's annoying man yeah (laughs) i know i that that was actually it was a huge thing i just stopped yeah (laughs) getting upset and stressed over things like and you just really look at how you're reacting to everything. Like I said, it's yeah. the only thing we control and it reflect and it reflects on you too. So you don't need to go upset or attack somebody on social media and post something. It's like have discussions or just, just don't do it. But mm. just really like there's so many things out there and there's absolutely nothing you do. We can't control the weather. We can't control. There's so many things, you know, just really only look at what is in your circle um, and actually, it was uh, touched on. Um, there was another book with the uh, seven highly effective hab or was mm-hmm. it seven habits of highly successful people? That was what Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey, yeah. Um, um, your uh, circle of concern and area of influence, mm-hmm. which in a way are thing are you know you, you can apply mindfulness to those. Is like these are all those things. No matter what you do, will never affect it. You know, like what's going on in Ottawa. All you can look at is right here. What can I do right here? And how is that, you know, those choices you make, your local government, your local newspaper, you know, we get worried about a lot of things happening in the world, but we need to look at right in our circle and what can you actually control, uh, which isn't a whole lot, but, you know, you know, shrink your area of concern and you'll have a little bit of a, a little less stress because you don't have control over the rest. Well, great stuff, Chris. If people want more stash, uh, <laughs> yeah. where where can they get it? Uh, com. Uh, okay. It's my blog. It's th- way back in the day. There was little things that touched here and there on on uh, mindfulness and whatnot. It's evolved because uh, I've, I've had so much free time to be outdoors. I've kind of been 
looked at as a bit of a leader and a resource that way. So I do a lot of trip reports and gear reviews, but I still like throwing in sustainability pieces in there. I've been writing about my uh, used electric car and how what kind of lifestyle that's allowed. I've talked about some environmental concerns going on here locally and um, bigger issues on simple living and sustainability. So that's uh, common. Um, mostly is uh, all my photos I take are on Instagram. It's uh, stasher underscore BC. It used I used to live in Saskatchewan, so it was underscore SK. I changed that. And same with Twitter, it's stasher underscore SK. And then the stasher is a slang on my last name, Istash. My buddies back in college called me Stash. So stasher is a a nickname. Um, But yeah, so on my Facebook page is Mindful Explorer. Well, we'll put all that in our show notes. As always, folks, we encourage you to click on one of those, like and follow Chris, and continue to gain from his wisdom and outlook on life. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for being here. And... uh, that's the wind. <laughs> That's the wind. <laughs> not Andrew's. Blows. Not Andrew's heavy breathing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's keep. Uh, we can't be too mindful. That's that's one thing that doesn't have limits. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, thank you. Absolutely. It's great. Time for a cinnamon bun. Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you liked what you heard here check out the website obstaclecoursepodcast.com that's where you can subscribe check out the show notes if we have one request we'd ask you to leave us a kind review and perhaps share this episode it's not because we have fragile egos well but because we want other great people like you to benefit speaking of great people we have a list of people we want to thank we've got our senior technical advisor andy robertson our media partner and web designer sticky media and of course our host and snack coordinator Judy Langford. Oh, peanut butter cookies. You can continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast and on Twitter at Obstacle Pod. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep pushing through those obstacles.